Hey guys, this is me. Did you move today? Hey guys, I'm super excited to have Matthew here. Matthew Uohara. Uh, hey Matthew, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm pronouncing your last name right, right? Uohara? Um, can you hear everything fine here? Yes, perfect. I can. Can you? Great. Yes, awesome. perfect. Cool. Perfect. So, um, Matthew is a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NSCA. He holds a master's in human movement. He has studied dynamic neuromuscular stabilization through the uh, Prague Rehabilitation School. And he is a postural restoration trained through the Institute in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, Matthew is the in-house movement coach for SoulCycle, instructors in LA and California. And he serves on the advisory board for a handful of fitness companies in exchange for his intellectual contribution. Um, Matthew organizes and directs off-season development for Olympians, the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, WNBA, and WTA. He was originally born on the big island of Hawaii, and he now, res he now resides in uh, L.A. and California, where he lives with your two dogs, right? Lulu and Belle. Lulu and Bell, yes. yes. And you're currently uh, um, authoring the leading the movement, right? Writing a book. I am, yeah. So it's been a quite a big task. I mean, that's the one that I'm really trying to dive right into right now, and it's taken me a few years. I'm about five years into it right now, but hopefully, in a few years, I'll be done and. I can provide it for everybody that wants to read it. The ones that I've been telling so much cool. about. I'll be excited to to be one of the the first people to read the the book. Oh, great. So Matthew, if you want to tell everybody a little bit about about yourself, I know I read your you know your bio. Um, mm -hmm. Do you you know do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So my main job, the one that I do currently right now, is. I work with athletes during their off season. So they'll all kind of come out here to LA and I'll work with guys from the NHL, the MLB, uh, NFL, uh, you know, some of the golfers as well, but they'll come out here and stay for their off season. And I work with a team. So I'll take care of all the strength and conditioning work. And then I'll send out for nutrition, for yoga, for all those other aspects as well. And Uh, we seem to be doing a great job. People really love it. Um, we get great results. Um, I don't know. I mean, the whole goal is to help them play their their career as long as possible, right? To extend it. And hopefully we um, can keep them healthy during that process. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. How did everything start, you know, for you, uh, the movement journey? I know you were born in Hawaii. So, Did you just like you, you were born in Hawaii and then you came to California or you, was that how was that? Can you talk to me a little bit about that journey? And when did you realize that you were actually very passionate about about movement? Yeah, so I actually started off as an athlete myself and I played basketball and through that process, I don't know if you know much about Hawaii, but we don't have a whole lot of exposure to the major markets. So colleges have a hard time seeing uh, talent in Hawaii if there is any so pretty much talent stays there and, and they recruit locally but I had dreams of obviously wanting to play on a bigger stage I wanted to play in college and I wanted to play at a big conference so uh, I ended up taking a visit to IMG Academies which is in Bradenton Florida 
ended up loving it, stayed up there and uh, played all the way from my freshman through my junior year. And during my junior year, I ended up getting a career ending injury. Mm. Uh, well, that was a blessing in disguise because it, it kept me in this field. I was doing so much rehab and trying to get back on the court. And finally, we couldn't figure it out. Went home, got an MRI. And they told me that I had this um, fracture in my ankle that if I didn't really take some time off, it would have had to lead to an early kind of ankle replacement surgery. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it ended my career, but I did so much work during the rehabilitation portion that one of my first mentors, David Donatucci, uh, offered me the chance to come back to IMG and uh, be a student intern. You know, So that was really cool. And I ended up falling in love with the whole process. I ended up falling in love with strength conditioning, ended up falling in love with the therapy aspects. And it drove me to want to pursue that in college. So one of my first strength coaches when I was a, a little child was Jimmy Radcliffe. And he came, he used to come down to Hawaii mm -hmm. and put on these strength conditioning uh, lectures and seminars that my dad would host it was really influential on this journey. So sorry and, to interrupt um, you. So your dad was also I an did, athlete. Like your dad was also into the you know fitness industry and like movement and all that, or he was just like helping you and supporting you out. Yeah, well, he was an athlete himself in high school, and he's very proud of his. Uh, state record that he held for uh, the mm -hmm. high jump at the time but um we he didn't really pursue it after that he went into medicine and so he went down a different path but what my father has always done for us is whatever we are passionate about my brother and I he tries his best to find avenues for us to succeed in that field so for me it was allowing me to chase my dreams and go up to IMG academies in this high school um so yeah, that's what I ended up doing. And he was influential early on as well in bringing down these strength coaches all the way from Oregon for, um, to come down to Hawaii and provide some top education to us. So I learned to lift weights from the University of Oregon strength coach when I was, before I ever even hit high school. And um, it gave me a great foundation. Yeah, so that's how I ended up. Uh, first being exposed to it. And then Dave Donatucci, obviously, when I was at IMG, he, along with some of the other strength coaches, helped take that knowledge that I had learned from Jimmy and kind of accelerate it. So when I finished my high school uh, um, education, I wanted to pursue strength conditioning on a more permanent basis. I wanted to do mm -hmm. it professionally. And I had been exposed to Jimmy so early that I said, okay, well, maybe I should go ahead and follow Jimmy up at the University of Oregon, actually go there as my, mm -hmm. for my college degree, and then maybe take these lessons that I've learned from Dave and some of these other strength coaches that I was exposed to, and maybe I can grasp what Jimmy's lessons were early on, yeah. if that made sense. So, yeah, that's, I, I did my undergraduate degree in human physiology at the University of Oregon. Wow, awesome. So that you knew from the very first moment yeah. that that's what you wanted to do. Kind of, yeah. I knew it was something in sports. I knew it was something athletically. Um, and, and one of the early pushes is going to be kind of funny, but one of the early pushes is that I hated dressing up. So yeah. I didn't want to wear like a suit and tie. Like, oh, 
do I, what job can I do where I can kind of wear sweats or, you know, like be loose fitting and just be comfortable. Cause I would always see my father dress up in these like buttoned up shirts and, you know, working in the hospital and all these uncomfortable things. So I wanted to do my best to not follow them. That's that awesome. That's awesome. It's awesome that you mentioned that about your dad. Um, because my dad, he's a, he's a cardiologist. And so one of the things that okay. I know now that you're talking about your dad, it's awesome to see how he supported you a lot. And, and my dad supported me a lot too. And, you know, and he used to say like, whatever you want to do, you just have to hustle and make it happen. Right. Like very, very supportive. Right. But now that you mentioned about, you know, dressing up and like suits and, you know, things that are uncomfortable, uh, my grandfather is also was also a cardiologist. Now he he passed away a couple of years ago, but um, he used to wear uh, suits and things like that all the time. And my dad never liked that. <laughs> he never liked to wear to dress up. Nobody yes. likes and my it. My dad he never <laughs> dressed up, so he used to tell my my grandfather, "You know what? Don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Don't worry. Like just tell that I'm a stranger or something like that. So that people don't know about me because my grandfather liked to dress. He used to like to dress up, but my dad was like, no, I just, he was very relaxed, chill. So that's funny of you that you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable. You can't breathe. You want to move. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It is. It is. So, um, I didn't finish my story just to, um, no, go sorry ahead, go to, ahead, go to ahead. Yeah. Early, but basically, um, after college, I went back and I worked for Dave um, down, at, and he was now working at the PGA. It was back in Florida, and this time it was in Port St. Lucie, but he was working for the PGA Center for Learning and Performance, and he was the director of strength and conditioning there. So uh, I went to try and learn as much as I could from Dave after having a college degree, because I always knew that there were gaps in my information. I didn't want there to especially if I'm taking other people's, come here girl, <laughs> sorry, Lulu's no, running crazy. Um, uh, I didn't want to, if I was taking somebody else's um, profession under my wing, I didn't want to lead them astray. So I went to go work with Dave, who really was specializing in golf at the time. And it was something that I had never been exposed to. I had never played golf myself and um, didn't really understand the sport too well. So it was a great, great experience. And through him, met a, a few great people. One is my mentor currently. His name is Ron Hraska. And he's at the Postural Restoration Institute in Lincoln, Nebraska. And um, Ron is a brilliant guy. And he uh, really helped expose me to a different world, more of the therapy mm -hmm. world. Uh, but you know, when you work with humans, you're, it's whether they're in a therapy setting or they're in a strength conditioning world or they're on the court or on the field, you're still working with humans. And um, being able to in, understand the entire spectrum is, I think, vitally important to the success that you can have. So Ron really allowed uh, me to dive in deep to the, into the science and, um, I guess, add another element to what I have been exposed to, whether it just been in the college setting or in the weight room and, and apply that third layer, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's cool that you had a, so that's how you had a like, you know, finding a mentor. I think that's super, 
that's key, right? Sometimes to to find um, someone that you can look up to and follow and follow through your journey. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. My my father used to tell me when I was little that we just we always have to have these rabbits in which we can chase. And I kind of took that to be that there's always going to be somebody out there that's better than you in different fields. And whether it be uh, writing, art, dance, uh, strength and conditioning, whatever world it is, there's always somebody out there that can teach you something. And so trying to find those people continuously, not, not saying that you ever get satisfied. I mean, you're happy with where you are in life, but you don't get satisfied. Um, those people that can help teach you um, what they master at and adding that to your little um, world right yes yeah that that for sure and you know that's something that it just recently I just recently started to get passionate about like learning more about this because you know as I as you know like you know when I'm a dancer so the it was with yoga that I'm also a yoga instructor. And so that's when I, I was like, why am I even moving? You know, and people used to come up to me and they were like, okay, what's going on? Like, I wonder, I, you know, is this, is this okay? Is this going to injure myself? And I'm like, I don't have the answer, you know? And so that's when I was like, I have to know more about this. I have to know more about this. So um, I want, I really wanted to say thank you for, for being here and for taking the time to talk to someone that, knows less than you do for sure and so that uh really means a lot to me um to have you here and it's also quite intimidating Uh, you know to be honest (laughs) (laughs) well thank you you're welcome um no yeah movement is this big wide world right and there are so many layers to it that you can peel away and and i know that you uh know jen right jenna scare uh, know of yeah, her, I know of Dr. her. Jen I don't Fitt. know her. I don't know yeah. her in person, but I know of her because of her of social media. I think social media is a great tool, and so that's when I, I, I found her because Louis was here in Chicago, and oh, yeah. and I went and uh, he he was like uh, it was the book la- uh, lunch, the mask of masculinity. He was there, and then I realized that Jen Esquer was uh, his girlfriend. I'm like, oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Small world. And then, and then, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I feel really fortunate about is that there are so many talented people in the world and especially in Los Angeles and this little kind of bubble that we have here. And we all end up becoming friends and learning from each other and sharing information. And I think that's really the way that the world is going to progress. Um, as you know, the, the bar to get into our field is not very high. Um, I have a funny story here. Go ahead. Uh, when uh, one of the Chris, one of my Christmas presents to my brother one year uh, was to get his dog certified as a strength and conditioning coach. So his dog, Buddy Uahara, became a master level trainer, and all I had to do is take this twenty minute online course, really. Wait, and he gets, yeah, he he got a plaque. He got, um, he he gets. He's on a national registry. He gets phone calls for people to train him. I mean, and he's a dog and he's passed away too. So, I mean, the bar for our field is not very high. If my brother's dog can pass as a strength and conditioning coach, there was no identification verification, like there, nothing. Um, but 
knowing that, I think it really puts the um, pressure on you to go ahead and learn for yourself, right? To continuously be there um, for your clients from the educational side of things. I mean, we have more contact hours with our client than doctors will, psychologists, dentists, chiropractors, and they all could have a large influence. But with the amount of contact hours that we have with our clientele, we can really harm somebody if we don't understand what we're doing. So being able to be honest with yourself and say, hey, I have weaknesses in my educational profile. How do I fill that out? Who can I seek out? Yes. Do I have friends that are great and masters in, in that field? Um, what can I learn from them? Right. And being great. open I, to share information on your own as well. I have a couple of questions now that you mentioned that. Um, well, yeah. I have more than more than two. Uh, <laughs> but so you just mentioned that the bar um, is not that high. For yeah. Movement professionals. Um and you know, I'm from coming from a dancer back, da- uh, dance background, and also a yoga background. Mm-hmm. All I can say, and I've heard this before, I've read a couple of articles that talk about this too, and it's just the lack of um, science. Yes. In those trainings, um, not to say that you know, when I was in in college. Um, one of my majors was dance and we had maybe like one anatomy course and then we had a kinesiology too but Mm -hmm. this it was not enough it was not enough for us to know what's even going on with our bodies so at the end of the day I'm looking at a lot of dancers and this is like not judging anyone but I'm looking at a lot of dancers or dance teachers or yoga teachers yoga instructors um but more so like from, you know, dancers that perform. Yep. Or, you know, and it's, and sometimes there's a lot of injuries that that can occur because of like all, all these things are going on. And because I think it also has to do because of the lack of, uh, uh, lack of science in the industry. And because Absolutely. as dancers and as yoga instructors, I'm, I think I'm going to include myself here. Uh, we tend to be like, oh, maybe we're not that interested in science. So what do you have a, an advice, I guess, for dancers or yoga instructors or in general for people that are in this industry? What would be your advice for, for uh, uh, what would be the advice that you could give them? Yeah, um, so there, it, it's very interesting that you asked that question because I was actually having this conversation with a yoga instructor today. So one of... I believe that there are three layers to really understanding something. The first, which I feel that, you know, you had talked about you're a dancer, you're a yoga instructor, um, you're a good mover yourself. The first is this implicit understanding of, of the information, meaning that you, you understand feelings, you understand that if you move your body a certain way, you get these certain types of um, affective responses, right? And that's a really, really important part because if you don't understand that, you'll never be able to empathize with somebody else that you might encounter that you're trying to help out. So you have to be able to move yourself, right? And that's why I try my best to learn different forms of movement um, and 
try to enter into the different worlds that I don't feel so comfortable, like uh, yoga, for example. I, I, I'm very new to yoga. Um, I, I have conversations with this yoga instructor. Her name is Carly Tracy. And um, try to pick her brain about some of those things. Uh, try to learn the words and the, the names of things. Um, and that's a huge, huge portion. And I think it's one of the most important portions of our field is being able to do and being able to empathize and feel. Um, the second layer of it is to be able to take those feelings and apply um, abstractions to them, to be able to create tools and words are a portion of that uh, in which to communicate that information to other people. And that's a portion that I struggle with the most, I think, is taking the science, taking the feelings and the emotions uh, and translating them into actual artifacts, like actual words, uh, which is what, you know, it, why writing for me is a really nice thing that I've tried to dive into. It's helped me quite a bit learn that portion. And then the final bit of it is being able to teach, right? Um, so I think those three levels teach us, uh, sorry, apply the, the, the lessons, if that makes sense. So, um, if I understand how to squat, that's one portion of it. If I understand what's going on during my squat and I can go ahead and talk it out, that's a second portion. And if I can apply those teachings and being able to lead somebody else to understand how to squat, that's the third layer of understanding, I feel. So being able to have those three layers allows you to really, really appreciate what that movement is about. So my advice would be to understand where your weaknesses lie. Do they lie in the ability to move? Do they lie in the ability to translate those emotions and those movements into words or into uh, descriptions about what's going on at the biomechanical level? Or do they lie in the ability to teach others that um, information? And, and if you can be really honest with yourself, then that will lead you in the right path, I feel like. Uh, because you can once you have those weaknesses and you understand that, that those are your flaws, you can go ahead and search out resources to help you alleviate that. Great. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm loving this. Awesome. I'm <laughs> loving this. Um, yeah, I'm loving this. Um, because something that came up when you were talking about this is this thing of that we tend to do as performers is imitating uh, yeah. imitating the pose imitating um okay so if in sanskrit is virabhadrasana 2 warrior 2 then we're uh -huh. imitating what that is kind of like saying uh you know when we talk about alignment without sometimes even know we don't even know i don't, I don't want to generalize because i don't want to uh i don't want to assume right but i'm just saying this as um, not for anyone to take it personal, but sometimes I feel that as dancers or as yoga instructors, we imitate the pose rather than understanding why we're even in the pose. Mm -hmm. And imitation is a huge form of learning, right? Which is why that third layer, if you're going to teach somebody uh, and you can't move yourself, they will have a very hard time imitating you. Um, so, so that it all kind of comes full circle, but yes, imitations, huge portion of learning. And then the, the layer that you're talking about is let's say that they can't imitate you. 
that say that you have a hard time imitating the, the alignment or the posture yourself to understand why and maybe why one side might be better than another. Um, why you have these asymmetries built within yourself. That is another layer, right? So there's all these different um, nuggets of information that you can collect along the way on your journey to becoming a better mover, to becoming a better practitioner uh, that I think are vital to continuously explore. Yes, yes. Um, now you mentioned that you like to try different physical disciplines and something yeah. that I saw in one of your stories in your Instagram stories is you were doing a pirouette, like a turn. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't very it was good. Was it? <laughs> no, I think it was good. It was great. And it was, um, I think it was a jazz turn. I don't know. I, because like you were, you were, you, I think you did from second to fourth and then you went into a releve and then you turned, which I thought that was like, Oh, how cool. So <laughs> why, why were you doing that? Just okay. trying to Yeah, so, so um, right before that, it, it's funny, like the contrast that happened. So I had a client that didn't show up. So I had about an hour that was free. And one of my friends, his name is Trey. He, I said, hey, um, can you take me through a lesson? And he's a boxing coach. So he said, sure. So I was boxing before that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have done Muay Thai, I've done karate, I have a karate background. Um, and Muay Thai, I'm starting to learn a lot more. And so boxing, but I haven't really done. And so boxing for me was a very different stance and learning how to do those things as well. Um, where you hold your hands is different. How you move is different as well within that, like how you, you're spacing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I came from that and I had about five minutes left. And one of my other friends, her name is Haley. And Haley is uh, a dancer for the Chargers. She, mm -hmm. uh, I said, hey, can you teach me something? And she said, all right, sure. So I, I don't know what second position or anything like that is, but she's like, let's teach you how to do this pirouette. And so she ended up filming it, which is what you saw on the story. Mm -hmm. And um, I love it. I mean, what I found very difficult is we were trying to do a double, meaning like, you know, turning around twice and yeah. ending up in the same spot. And what I found very difficult was being able to find my spot visually. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, that that was it, it took me turning all these different places, which is pretty cool. Um, it's it's nice to encounter things that make you feel awkward, that make yes. you feel like <laughs> you have no clue what you're doing and to try and figure them out. So I, I'm very grateful for both of those lessons, one that the boxing lesson that I had before and the dancing five minute tutorial that I had with that pirouette. Um, and one of the huge reasons why I also wanted to learn how to do that is I do work with dancers from USC, um, from more of the therapy side of things, mm -hmm. but it allows me to appreciate what they do and take that little bit of what I learned from Haley and now go into my next session where I'm working with a dancer and say, Hey, I tried this and you're pretty fascinating. I didn't know that you could do all those things. And um, now I really truly appreciate the difficulty of your task, right? Yes. Yeah. Like a way to, to connect with the, yes, that, that's awesome. 
you know, that, that story got so many comments. <laughs> I think that was awesome. Like when I saw that, I'm like, he's doing that. And, and for, a, I, I was thinking, is he a dancer too? Or like what, like, I wanted to know a little bit more about it. I'm like, what's going on with this? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm always yeah. trying stuff. So um, that's how I got into some of the yoga things is that I was like, oh, I can't do a handstand. Let me try to learn how to do a handstand. So I, I taught myself at first. Mm-hmm. And um, as I've met more yogis out here, they were trinkets of advice every once in a while and said, Hey, um, you know, when, when you're up here, maybe try to feel these things. And it, it really bridges the gap because I can take those lessons and say, Oh, I know that my athlete that I'm working with currently, let's say we have a hockey player, for example, is not a yogi, but there are some elements to what yogis do and what yogis feel that I can take and almost reverse engineer a problem, right? I, I see a, a deficient pattern and I can now reach into my yogi to, uh, toolbox and pull out a tool that I didn't have before and pull out a feeling that I didn't have before and say, hey, look, I get it. Here are some of the things that help me feel those things too. Yes. So now, just having a gigantic toolbox I think is valuable. Now that you, you know, now that you're talking about all this, like different disciplines, different styles, different movements, uh, different movers that you meet along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I, uh, finished my yoga training, um, I felt, and this is some, I don't know if you, if you felt this before, but, um, it seems that every time that I try a discipline, I get so passionate about that, you know, about the discipline or with the discipline, I kind of like fell fell in love with the, whatever is the, the, the discipline. And then I'm like, "Mm, maybe I don't like it that much. And then I change and then I continue and find something else. And and I just like try to go like, kind of like bounce around uh, with the different uh, movements, styles. And so at the end of my training, we had to do um, some sort of like presentation. It's called a quote unquote thesis, but there's not a lot of research because it, it, for us, it was very hard to, at least for me, it was hard to find research uh, with dance and science um, and just like yoga and, um, and science. I don't know why it was, it was kind of hard uh, to find that. And so, and I know some people could argue and I don't know if some people, if you, you know, if someone that is listening to the podcast um, has some research concerning that, please send it my way. And so I was doing, at the end of the, the thesis, I wanted to, the name of my thesis was Same Movement, Different Intention. Because gotcha. I just felt that dance and yoga were so similar. And yeah. I come from a gymnastics background. I did some gymnastics when I was younger. And so it just felt like very, very similar. And then I had one of my friends, uh, Corina Brown, she, she, um, she does jiu-jitsu and she told me, you know, like it's bit, it, we uh, even even jujitsu has things in common with dance, and it has things in common with yoga, and mm-hmm. even you know. And then I started to talk with a lot of my friends, and you know, I just came to this realization that okay, maybe it's just the same movement, it's just a different intention. And then I found Ido Portal, so I was like, oh, mm, cool. this guy is very interesting. So, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, 
I guess my first question would be, first, do you agree that, because uh, my way of thinking is like, we only have one body, so I can only move a certain way. I cannot change, you know, the way that my body is. Um, the way that, my, yeah, I can change the way that my body moves, but I cannot uh, kind of like cut my head, my, my head and put it on my foot, you know? something like that so do you that that would be my first question and then the second question uh will be what are your thoughts on on you know Edo's philosophy and not necessarily only Edo, because there's a lot of other people that are they have you know like movement philosophy in in general Mm -hmm. yeah so um to your first point i 100 agree what i call them is our movement metaphors and i feel that and because we are all human and because we all have, well, for the most part, just to generalize one head, two arms, two legs, we have five, these five limbs that extend from this body. We move on two legs. We don't crawl. Right. If, if we've graduated to that, yeah. <laughs> but we only have a certain amount of ways that we can move our body in a sense of, um, we have these reference centers, these metaphors that we have to come to, and they allow us to move within a, a certain schema. But within that, we can intend to move with a different purpose, if that makes sense. So kind of going back to what you're saying is that there are all these like ties between jujitsu, dance, um, yoga, and yes, that is 100% true, but you all are using the same muscles. You're all using the same body parts and they kind of feel similar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have certain similar philosophies, especially the things that you've mentioned. So within that, you intend to use a body and those muscles and those limbs to do a jujitsu move or to do a, a dance move or to do a yoga pose and whatever scenario you're in. So as the environment changes, you jump into that toolbox and you say, okay, I am now a walker. I'm now a runner. I am now a weightlifter. I'm now a dancer. And so I 100% agree with you that we have these analogies or these metaphors that are similar you're gonna find it no matter where you go which is why when I I dump into uh, yoga for example or I played with that dance move or boxing I'm able to take those lessons and say okay I understand reaching a little bit different now or I understand um, swinging a leg a little bit different now I understand it from a dancer's perspective I understand it from a, a boxer and taking those slightly different intentions, I can now give a different visual or I can give a different cue to an athlete that may be ha- struggling with trying to learn that metaphor, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, yeah. it does. And I think it's because I also I agree with it, you know? <laughs> and so it does. But I don't want to exclude the, the – I don't want to exclude um, the people that are – that like you know that are not able to walk and that are in wheelchairs and that are not able to you know like I don't want to exclude them because in my opinion in my philosophy we all have disabilities quote yeah and and they're still moving they're still human 
right? Yes. Um, it's just their environment has changed a little bit. And so they're still going to have a lot of the same metaphors. They're just going to apply them a little bit differently. The intention has to be a little bit different because the environment has changed. So you're still, whether you're sitting down, whether you're in a wheelchair, whether you have a disability, uh, you have a limb amputated, you're still human, but you don't have to physically go through the motions to understand movement. Um, there are many different ways to move. You can move neurologically speaking. You can move physically, biomechanically, like we're talking about. There are many different ways to move and being able to shift between all those different um, aspects of movement leads to, I, I feel, a healthier life and an extended life. So you find these people that have limbs that are amputated, that are living great, happy lives because they understand that the human experience is not contained to just the body, yeah. right? Yeah. So there are all these different layers that we can take this. Um, but to answer your, your question about Ito, I, I've only listened to interviews from Ito and I've only um, watched some of his things, but I've never learned from him. So it's hard for me to um, speak on his philosophy. But from what I have heard from him, I, I do th- love a lot of what he says. Uh, I, I think he's... And he gets a lot of influence from, there are these different Israeli like therapists, Moshe Feldenkrais and such that uh, he pulls from that I agree with as well. And um, so what Ido is saying runs deep, I feel like, because a lot of the therapists that I think that he has been influenced by um, have stood the test of time and we still apply their methods to this day, like Ida Rofe and such. Um, so so I, I love a lot of, of Ido. I just wish I had the time to learn more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've never taken a workshop with him either or, or from like Odelia or like not, none of them, but I just like follow them and check their uh, videos. And I don't know, it's pretty, pretty cool. You know, very, very cool. Um, yeah. It- and I've met people that have learned from him and um, so kind of like secondary lessons, I guess. So they, they speak highly of him as well. So I, I feel like maybe he does have a lot of valuable information to share. Great. When was your aha moment? Aha moment? Yeah. Every single day. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it's funny. Like I had this conversation um, yesterday, actually. And what I was saying to the, this person was that in doing this research for my book, I feel like I have all these aha moments all the time because I'm constantly pushing myself to learn this information that I, I don't feel comfortable with. Um, I... I understand uh, what I want to say and I understand the direction that I'm going with the book but there are ways of communicating information that you have to be able to translate it and you have to be able to translate it all the way from the level of somebody that studies this and masters it for a living and being able to take that information and, and dial it way down and being able to have a kindergartner get your Uh, philosophy because I ultimately do want to translate this into a children's book as well 
Um, so, so being able to understand it at that level where you can go all the way from kindergarten up to like PhD level and, um, have everybody hold the same basic philosophy is what I'm attempting to work on right now. And the only way to, to get to that point is to constantly be, be encountered with these unknown facts to myself and have a lot of aha moments every single day. Yeah, I bet like uh, writing a book must be very, must be challenging. It is, yeah. And, and I want to do it justice and not just pump out a not book, just to pump out a book. Exactly. Um, it's a passion project for me. And uh, in the process of writing it, you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about like, oh, you really thought you knew that, but you, you kind of did it, right? Um, so, so that's good for me to see uh, because it allows me to dive deep into these different fields. So there are music sections in the book. There are art sections in the book. And obviously we are talking about human movement as well, but um, really what I'm attempting to find are these different aspects of the human condition. And to do that, you have to really expand your framework of what you view as movement. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for that book. I'm excited. I don't want to put a lot of pressure, but, you know, I'm excited for that. Um, do you have any um, anything else before I ask you two questions? Um, any anything that you would like to add or say for those people that are like movement fanatics or enthusiasts? Um, you know, anyone that is a mover, something that you would like to to tell them. Um, yeah, I, I think that. Being a, being a mover, we are all movers, right? Um, it's just some people move more freely than others. And I really do feel like expanding your movement repertoire, being able to move in different ways and to be able to allow your framework to be vast and you can move fluidly throughout it, allows you to connect to the world at a little bit deeper level. The reason why I say that is that we act out, um, we act out, we, we create action before we really understand what we are, why we are doing it. Like you said, you, you danced, you did yoga, and, but you didn't really understand why, right? Yeah, I was just passionate about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you go ahead and you, you, make these body motions throughout the day and not a lot of re not a lot of times you understand why you're doing those things we kind of just go through the these motions as habit for example but being able to encounter different fields or different skills or places and learn new ways of moving your body make you honest about what you're doing and in that process of being honest about what you're doing, you have to really break this rigid framework in which you move throughout your daily life with. And when you do that, you start to say, oh, maybe the world of movement isn't as contained as what I thought it would be. And when you can do that and you can start to expand it, you say, okay, 
maybe there are other parts of my life that are like that too. Maybe when I was having this conversation and I, I had this reaction in this conversation, um, I was too quick to judge because I didn't expand my framework to see the world from their point of view. So it, it, I think learning how to move your body is just one vessel in understanding how to learn about the world. And I think it's one of the most intimate ways to do it because we all have a body and it's very, very subjective, right? We, I don't know how you feel, but I can kind of get an understanding of it if I become a better mover. Um, and maybe by having a greater understanding of who you are, uh, we can connect a little bit deeper. We can have different conversations and maybe that friendship leads to a, a wider network of new people that I meet that expand my cognitive abilities and I can now, now learn about psychology. I can now learn about art. You know, those types of things I think are really important, but I, I feel like if you cannot physically move, you are severely limiting your ability to accept information from the world that's around you. Powerful. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, now, one question that I always ask is, did you move today? And so that's- I did. I, I moved many different ways and uh, I moved Lulu today too, which was the most fun that I had. <laughs> Lulu Great. is my dog. And um, we played fetch and we played tag. Um, she won. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But yeah, no, um, of course, I move every day. Um, Great. Yeah. Great. And then my last question is what's movement for you? Mm. I think it goes a lot back to what we were just talking about. Movement to me does not have to happen physically. Yeah, I think it's important that it does often, but movement to me is just expanding your horizon. It's being able to see more tomorrow than you do currently today. And to be able to take your understanding of the past and break that um, framework often, um, knowing that it was never wrong to see it the way that you used to, but taking those lessons and maybe using them as foundational steps to move through the present into tomorrow, I think that is the most important thing. Um, and, and like we were talking about earlier, it can happen any way. It can happen through going to a different art exhibit. Tomorrow I'm going to a, a theater dance play and seeing something put on by somebody that I've never seen before. So. I think constantly seeing new things, constantly hearing new things, different philosophies, different ideas, uh, different ways of viewing the world around you. That to me is, is movement. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Matthew, for taking the time and being here. Um, it really means a lot. And also to uh, see, thank you no, for having and also to see how, you know, how, how, I'm, I'm thinking in Spanish now. Um, it, it's to see how approachable you are, you know, that, that's something Thank that um, I would say, I mean, I don't know you in person, uh, but from what I can see is that 
Of course, you have a lot of knowledge. But besides that, you're very approachable and very humble. And so that's something that I always, I always, always, always appreciated. Well, thank you for saying that. And I think it's fascinating that you can think in Spanish and speak in English. <laughs> well, it's my mother tongue. So I guess it's, uh, I, I cannot forget about it. You know, it's, it has to be there. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being here. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope that you moved today. And if you haven't, you still have a couple of hours. You have more hours if you're in California, like Matthew. <laughs> thank you for having yeah. me, Andrea. All right, guys, that was Matthew Uohara. Um, so for his social media, you can find him um, on Instagram, Leaders of Movement. And his website is MatthewUohara.com. I will leave all the information on the description. So I hope to see you next time. And again, as I mentioned before, if you haven't moved today, I hope that you move today. <laughs>